You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. And uh, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3. I want to talk tonight for 40 minutes on the power of commitment. And I believe it will be a blessing to your life. And I want to teach. And then if you have questions afterwards, I'll, I'll take those questions. But open up your heart. It says here, Proverbs 16, 3 in the ESV, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So let's say commit. Okay. Proverbs 16.3 in the NLT says it this way. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So you're going to see right off the bat your success in God, your success in the kingdom of God is ultimately attached to a word that is not so popular today. But I pray and believe in you and me as well. It's going to be a word that is very characteristic of what God is doing at Light of Today Ministries. And that's commitment. So say commitment. Amen. Okay, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 8, 61. Commitment. You start talking about commitment. And the boos and the ahs. The boos. <laughs> 1 Kings 8, 61. Says, and I'm not talking to this tonight because I don't think anybody's committed. We're talking about this tonight because I know you're committed. And we're going to talk about what we're doing right so we can continue doing it. Amen. I was like, we should start talking about commitment. Is the pastor saying I'm not committed? What is the pastor saying? I'm saying you're committed. Let's keep doing it. Um, and may your hearts be, this is, a, I think this is the NLT, I think. May your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God and to live by His degrees and to obey His commands as at this time. So, you know, if you're writing notes, and, uh, you can write this down or write in your phone or just if you're good at keeping you're in your mind like Jordan is. Jordan's a genius when it comes to remembering things. Is <laughs> commitment, commitment is the bridge between what people say and what people do. So many times, how many of you know that you've been somewhere and someone says something to you and they don't follow up with it? How many have had that happen to you before? Brittany is over here. She's in uh, makeup school at Mac, right? And someone may say to her, this is not, it has nothing to be sharp. Brittany's in, <laughs> Brittany's in makeup school and she's looking for someone to do their makeup. And she says, I need someone to come and I need someone to, to, to act as a model for their makeup. And someone says, oh, Brittany, oh, it's so good that you're in Mac school. Oh, well, girl, I'll go be your model anytime. I'll be there. I'll be there. But they never show up. They just, they never come in. I was talking to someone yesterday, they're a dental student, and they told me that at their board, they had to have three people come in, they had to do a set number of routines on their teeth, they had to give crowns, pull teeth, X, Y, and Z, and this was free dental work. And she says, I almost flunked the board because the person that told me they were going to be there never showed up. And I said, so how do you ensure they show up? She goes, I have to pay people now to come. I had to pay I didn't have to pay, but I had to pay. They recommended you pay them fifty dollars to come. And after she said she was paying, they still didn't show up. And so, where's the problem with this? It's the person didn't have any commitment. So, commitment is not about what you say you're going to do. Commitment is about doing what you're going to do, right? So, um, what happens in the ministry a lot of times is people say. You know, Reverend Palmer, uh, I'll be there, I'm going to be there, I'm, we're going to do this, I want to be on your team, I wanna, we're going to make this ministry go, I want to be a partner with the ministry, and then you never see him again. And the problem is there's no commitment in their heart, right? Okay, so write this down. Commitment is the bridge between what people know and what people do. So it's not only the bridge on what you say you're going to do, Commitment is also the bridge on what you know to be true and what you do. Let me give you an example. I know that based upon the last, you know, if in December I was working out a lot. I was always in that gym. Jordan was always going to GNC and getting me uh, vitamin supplements until Sharandella bought me some for, for Christmas. All right, now Jordan, Jordan wants to say thank you for that because he doesn't have to go in there no more. <laughs> Oh, I knew I had to be in better shape. Well, something happened 
you know, when I got all this schoolwork and something had to get cut out of my life and it was going to the gym. All right. So I know that I need to be in better shape. I looked at my gut. It came back. It just kind of mysteriously appeared again. I know I need to be in better shape. But guess what? I'm not in better shape. Actually, before we came here, that Wendy's cup in the trash can is mine. Because <laughs> that's where I ate tonight. <laughs> Real quickly. So why is it I'm not in better shape? It's not because I don't know it. It's because I haven't committed to doing it. Someone says, well, you can get up at 4.50 like Emily does before she goes to work and, and go to the gym. But she's committed. I'm not committed. Right? So commitment is the bridge between what you do and what you uh, know to be true. Right? So go with me to Psalm chapter 50, verse 5. Someone say commitment. We're going to be committed people. God is going to honor us. We're going to see in just a minute before I wrap this up that commitment is the key to the blessed life. When somebody's life is blessed, when somebody's life is overflowing with abundance, when somebody's life is Someone's business, like a beautiful you, like Sarah's business, explodes and goes through the roof and she's cutting 2,000 women's hair a month. You say, how do you get to that point? They didn't get to that point because they're staying in bed all day long. They got to that point because they were in and out. In and out. Commitment happens when nobody sees you. Commitment takes place when things are tough. We're going to see it in a minute, right? Nothing is built. If you look at, look at the double tree. The Hilton. How did Mr. Hilton get to where he got? Probably had trials. His had to start somehow. He was committed. You look at the NBA players. You look at the basketball, the Kentucky team. They're the best in the whole. How are they there? Because they're at practice. They're going. They're going. They're pushing each other, right? This has got to be the embodiment of what takes place in the team. Commitment. And it's not. And, when, and gonna, I won't get ahead of myself. But this is what it says in Psalm 55. Gather to me this consecrated people who made a covenant with me. By sacrifice. So, in the Old Testament, when you see the word covenant, it's, not, it's more than commitment. It's more intricate and more involved and more detailed than commitment. But when you see the word covenant in the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, you can imply that it is commitment. And not just commitment, commitment of the highest kind. Amen? So, if you want a definition for commitment, this is what it is. Uh, if you want to take notes, you can write this down. And I'll send you my notes tonight if you don't feel like taking notes. This is the definition of commitment. Commitment is a covenant of giving of yourself in submission, consecration, dedication, sacrifice, and love to a person, vision, cause, or a purpose. I'll say it one more time. Commitment is a covenant of giving yourself in submission, Consecration, dedication, sacrifice, and love to a person, person, vision, cause, or to a purpose. Let's go to Genesis 3.16. I want to show you. You say, well, you know, uh, why do I have to make a commitment to God? Anybody that... Anybody that serves God, anybody that's been a part of God's kingdom, it will not be long before or after being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit that God summons your heart to something is His kingdom. You may be get born again and all of a sudden um, God says, I want you to be a part of the cleaning team. And, and when we get to church in May, um, every other Saturday, we, we have to, we're responsible to clean the church. Every Saturday, someone's got to go and clean it. I'll do it myself. I don't mind doing it. But I'm going to try and get some help to do it. Everything I meet, listen, the ministry, every single responsibility of the ministry, paying the bills, keeping the lights on, doing the utilities, preaching the Word of God, greeting the people, uh, getting them saved, getting them at the altar call, following up with them, calling them, taking all the information and putting it, taking the finances to the bank, putting the finances in the box, you name it, putting in the mailing, sending the emailers out, sending the flyers out, sending the mailers out. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg of ministry. Guess whose responsibility it is? Mine. 
this is me. This is my responsibility. Unless God sends committed people that say, I can do that. The evangelism aspect of the ministry, guess whose job it is to go out and tell people about the church? It's my responsibility. Everything is on me as the pastor. This is what the Lord has called me to do. But you know also is part of my responsibility? Delegate it to people. Find people that have been anointed who say, you know what? God has told me to do it. Because in starting a ministry, I can assume that God has said, you know what? I haven't just called you alone. I'm sending people around you that I've spoken to their hearts. And I've told them to commit to your ministry. So, when somebody is not doing anything for the kingdom of God, they're just sitting on their hands looking for ministry, it's not that God has called them not to commit. It's that they're not paying attention to the summons of the Lord to commit to something. How many know, I'm not trying to make you judgmental of people, how many know people that have never done anything for the kingdom of God? They don't tithe. They drop a $20 bill in the offering every now and then. And they make $200,000 a year. You know, they don't, um, they never are involved in church and giving of their time. They never tell anybody about Jesus. I mean, they're just not doing anything for the kingdom. They've been doing this for 10, 20 years. What's the problem? They have a commitment issue. They don't have it. Usually these people, when they have marital problems, they don't commit to their spouse. When they have friendship problems, they're not committed to their friends. Before a couple gets into a relationship, you say, will you be my boyfriend, will you be my girlfriend? What are you saying before you date? When you engage someone, you say, will you be my fiancé, will you marry me? What are you saying? You're saying, I have made it in my heart to be committed to you. You've made it in my heart to be committed to me. And there's an agreement and there's a covenant that's going on. But in that commitment, there is power. Because when you tell somebody, I am committed to you, you only do that to someone that first said, I'm committed to you as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in Genesis 3.16, man fell, Adam was kicked out of the garden. And the very first step that God took towards mankind was he made a commitment to them. And he says, I'm going to send to you, uh, Genesis 3.16 it says, unto the woman, he says, um, Genesis 3.15, excuse me, I'll put enmity between you and the seed. And between her seed and your seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise its heel. So he says to the woman, there's going to come out of you, a, this is really what he's saying, a Savior. And this Savior is going to suffer much. The serpent is going to strike his heel. That is in terms of meaning there's going to be great suffering, there's going to be great pain. As Isaiah 53, Jesus on the cross, he took lashes, he was bruised, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, he's still going to come despite the suffering. And he's going to crush the serpent. And that even hasn't even taken complete fulfillment yet. Yes, Jesus did it all on the cross, but we're still waiting for the final consummation of things. So we see from 4,000, 6,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, God's commitment to the earth is still coming to pass. And he's fulfilled it strategically. So God has been running this long-term commitment towards his people. So God has a right to the people that he's committed his whole life to and dying and going to the cross and taking... The stripes saying, listen, I'm not going to ask you to take your sin. I'm not going to ask you to pay for your sin. I'm not going to send you to hell to pay for it. I'm not going to ask you to die on the cross. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to come to you at some point. And I'm going to ask you to make a commitment for my kingdom. Amen, somebody. Amen. And you'll see what it says in Psalm chapter 50 and verse 5. That commitment always takes sacrifice. You're not committed unless you make sacrifice. Married. Married, we got one married couple here. Caleb will be here in a little bit. He, he knows about this. Uh, if you're getting into a marriage, Brett, would you say that it requires some sacrifice? Yes, sir. But you're 100% committed. Yes. And so um, we've all, you know, been into school some level, high school, college. I remember when I went to college, I knew I had to be committed to college. Because guess what? I had to pay off these, these debts. I was talking to the medical school, uh, the, um, the person that was in uh, dental school was talking to her yesterday, and uh, she said, uh, you know, I have X amount of dollars in college debt, and it was a lot. It was a quarter million dollars in debt, a quarter of a million dollars in college debt. How would you like that blooming over your head? You get out of school to be a dentist, and you have $250,000 in debt to pay off. You better be committed to being a doctor. And I, I was laughing. I says, you know what that means? She says, what? And I go, you better tell the Lord 
right before you go into being a doctor or, or, or a dentist, and you're going to rack up $250,000 of debt. God, if you're going to call me to ministry, call me now before I end up going to dental school. And the Lord's saying, well, guess what? You're going to be a, a preacher. No, no, no. Now you got it. And I was just teasing with her. Well, you better stay being a doctor or a dentist if you're going to pay off that school debt because, uh, you know, unless you know, something happens, it's not, you know, you better stay in those high-paying positions right off the bat. And, uh, but it takes commitment to do that. She said, I'm sticking with this. I'm going to do it until I pay off my debt and make a living. And Sarah knows it's starting a business. You've got to stay committed, right? Sarah, day in, day out, right? Is it fun all the time? Do you sometimes wish you never did it? Yes. Do you sometimes ask yourself why you just didn't go down the street and work at Fantastic Sam's or Cuts and More? Right? <laughs> Do you ever wake up and just want to not just hit the clock and go back to sleep? All the time, right? But do you go to, were you there today working? Of course. Will you be there tomorrow working? Will you be there on June 16th? Yes, she'll be there. Because Sarah was driving her is not the ends of today. What's driving her is commitment. And she makes the sacrifices. We got Jordan over here. Jordan, how long did it take you to get here today? Three hours. Three hours? Is that because traffic is bad or is that because you live far away? You live far away. But why are you here? Because it was fun? You like to drive? You like passing the Welcome to Michigan sign? (laughs) (laughs) Is that why? Is that why you're here? Are you here because they don't have Wendy's down there? Are you here because you like the burgers? No? It wasn't that good, though, was it? It's okay. That was good. That was good. Okay. <laughs> My bad. I have to get one. You're here because, is it always fun driving? No. Do you, ha, be honest. It's okay. I'm not going to get mad. Has there ever been a day you say, I don't want to come? Uh, when I'm tired. Oh, leave. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, there's times where I don't want to preach. There's times where, there's times, you know, where I go places. I'm like, I don't want to go at all. Or even come to do Bible study. But guess what? Committed. Amen? And you know what that means? You're putting into it sacrifice. And so, I can write this down real quick. True commitment means, this is how you know what true commitment is. Settling it in your heart that you're going to commit to something. And you're going to remain faithful to it no matter the difficulty and no matter the cost. That is what happens when you get married and you make vows. You know, if I did vows, I wouldn't say in sickness and death because I don't believe in starting your marriage by saying we might get sick and putting a curse in your marriage like that. But what I will say is in difficulty and hardship because that's going to happen. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You guys have any difficulty this week? <laughs> Just a little. Just a, flood. a, a flooded basin? Yeah, A flooded basement, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you, and you weren't even thinking about that when you got married. You're like, yeah, why? I didn't even thought. Wedding cake. And now, boom, flooded basement. <laughs> I was telling someone I was with, I was like, you know, that's like uh, playing the game of life. Everything is going along, getting this new house. And all of a sudden you land on that one piece, flooded basement, pay whatever. <laughs> but you know why, uh, you know why they, they're still here? Because they're committed. So what? Flood abasement? We're committed. We're going to get through this. Is that what you guys had? That, that, that attitude? We're gonna get, did you guys get through it? You're here alive? Yeah, we're getting there. Okay, you're here, right? Jordan, you got to remember these things, man, when you find that beautiful, uh, beautiful evangelist wife, right? Okay, so when it gets tough. So, same in ministry. Okay, so commitment involves sacrifice. Uh, let me show you real quick Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Let's go there. Let me show you something powerful. Acts chapter 2. Yes. I'm committed. Sometimes, when things get tough, um, and it hasn't been easy being in ministry, and even starting my own ministry, but sometimes you wake up at night, and it's just you. You know, you don't have no music and worship service, and you're thinking, oh my God, what am I doing? But, I always remind the Lord, I'm committed. It's not going to take me out. Whatever it is, I'm committed to this. So what? I'll recover. I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this. I remember... One time I did something, and it costed the ministry. <laughs> it was a bad decision. Bad decision. It cost the ministry a lot of money. I thought at the time it was the right thing to do. It was way, way in the very beginning. And uh, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm done. What, I sh- what should I do? And you know what I realized after prayer? I'm committed to this, number one, and I'm going to recover. And I didn't 
get out of it. I stay with it. That's why we're here today. And guess what? I'm not getting out of it. Doesn't matter what the enemy does. Doesn't matter what happens. I'm stuck in this. I have set up my heart. The same with following Jesus. The commitment that you place upon following Jesus, you place upon doing what he says to do. The commitment that you made when you said, Jesus, I give to you my life, is the same commitment that you place on what he asks you to do for his kingdom. So the same commitment that I have in following Jesus, I took that commitment and used it for whatever Jesus says I was going to do. Because you're going to see in just a second, you're not here because I asked you to be here. If you're here because I asked you to be here, or if you're here because you think I want you to be here, I'm glad you're here. I, what I want is you to be here because Jesus said for you to be here. Because the moment you're not interested in what I think about you anymore, you're gone. Amen. No, we're going to get to that in a second. So, Acts chapter 2. Let me show you. Day of Pentecost. This is Jordan's favorite chapter. Amen? <laughs> Day of Pentecost came. There was came a sound. Of, Jordan, what does it say? Read it, Jordan. You read it. You read it. Come on. Acts chapter 2. Yeah. Verse number 1 through 4. Alright. And when the day of Pentecost was now come, they, all, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from, it, from heaven a sound as of a, of a rushing, rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them tongues parting asunder like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them. Okay, amen. Someone say amen to that. Amen. All right. But then Peter gets up, 3,000 people are saved, right? What do they do after that? Do they all just go around having revival everywhere they go? You know, we have revival preachers that just everywhere they go is revival, revival, revival. And I sometimes ask them, I say, what happens after all this is said and done? Then what? Where do we go? There's revival. People getting saved. Big, gigantic, Reinhard Bunky, two million people asking Jesus into their heart. Revival, 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 revival. Then what? Where do all these people go? What do all these people do? What's the next step? Does Jesus come after this? He hasn't yet, has he? So where do the people go? Acts 2.42, look what it says. It says... Oh, let's read 41. Then they, got, then they that gladly received His word were baptized at Light of Today Ministries. They came into the church and received the Holy Ghost. Jordan brought them in from the street. And they came to 23233 Drake Road, Farmington Hills, Michigan. And they saw at the door Emily and Brittany. And they shook their hands. And they noticed that they didn't have an ugly Light of Today Ministries t-shirt on. But they had on a name badge. And it was very nice. And they said, wow, I want to be a part of this ministry. I got. Then they saw Jordan. And Jordan prayed for them. They got the fire of God. And the baptism of the Holy Ghost, right? And everything went going good. Then what happened? Look what it says. Verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayer. And guess what is the operative word in this statement right here? It says they continued half-heartedly to say that. They continued, someone say wholeheartedly. How many people have ever heard someone say, you know what, we just got to go back to that old time Acts chapter 2 church where the Holy Ghost was moving. Oh, I wish we could go back to have old church. Anyone ever heard anyone say that? Right? And I say, no, 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 we have the Holy Ghost in power. I mean, not as much as we think we have it, but we have it. But you know what I want to say? But you know what? We don't need to go back to the old church. We just need to go back to being steadfast. We need to go back to having a whole heart about everything that we do. Amen. Amen. Being wholehearted about it. So, you know, i got to put a Greek word in here. Devoted means, in the Greek, to give constant attention to something. Alright? It means to give unremitting care. Here's an interesting definition. It means to show yourself courageous, and probably in light of the difficulties that it requires to be steadfast, and to be in constant Readiness. So in the ministry, the way I have to be is constant about praying for the ministry. Constant about doing it. Constant, courageous. Because guess what? As a leader, you being in leadership, you may have someone you don't know how to deal with. A guy that's demon-possessed might come in the door. And guess what? It's on you. God has put the grace on you. That service to cast the devil out of that person. Well, I don't know what to do. You may not have time to go get the pastor. You may say, devil, come out of that person now. And you do it. Constant courage or constant courage. To, you may have to rebuke somebody because we're going to talk about discipleship. You have to have the disciples in the ministry. And, and, and constant courage to say, man, oh, this is taking up so much of my time. See, this is what happens. This is what happens. People will say this all the time. 
there needs to be more Holy Ghost filled churches in the city of Detroit. People say that everywhere I go. People say, well, you know, there has to be more spirit filled ministries that are preaching the Word of God with power. There needs to be more. We got to have more. We got to have more. Brother Palmer, I'm glad you started a church. We got to have more churches like you in the area. Everyone believes this, but only a few people will commit to seeing it come to pass. And the reason we don't have more Holy Spirit filled Pentecostal churches in the area is not because people don't want it. It's because people won't commit to doing it. A vision comes to pass, the Bible says, through a multitude of business. It doesn't say one day of business. It means day in, day out. Two years in, three years in, I was talking about the River Church. Nine years, we're talking about today. Pastor Marlon Reed's church. Nine years they've been in a hotel. Twice a week, 52 weeks in a year. How many setups and teardowns is that? Almost a thousand. Doing it, doing it, doing it. I respect that. And you know what? We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep pushing. What's going to happen in the ministry after a year? Don't know, but God's going to lead us. Just like the Israelites in the wilderness. What's going to happen? You know, I was putting the contract together uh, for the building today. We get one year. What about after a year? I don't know. But guess what? We're the children of Israel. We're moving. And wherever we're at in a year, we're going to take it. We're going to pay that building off. We're raising $30,000 for that building. I'm committed to seeing every last dime coming quickly. We're going to take that money, we're going to raise it, and we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to start staffing. We're going to start doing this quick. I'm asking God, do this quickly in the ministry. Do it quick. Let's not, I don't want to be in four years. You're saying, well, you're not patient. Listen, six years I've labored. Six years I've done this. I can be patient as long as I want to be patient. But guess what? I want to do this quickly. Amen. My expectation is not to just, well, you know, be all the way over in a year just waiting for the money to come in. No, I want to do it quick. I want to get a Mac computer. Uh, put it in the office. I want to start. I want to just move, 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 move. People need this ministry. They believe it. Okay. So we have to commit. So the first thing they committed to was the. Uh, it says that they were. Well, number one, write this down. You need two things in order to be able to commit efficiently. Two things in order to commit efficiently to somebody. When somebody commits to something but they're no longer committed to it, they say, "God told me to do this," and then they're down the street at the next church. Well, I want to be in this church. They're down the street at the next. Church. Or when you commit to something, you're liable to get offended. Y'all gonna get someone's gonna get offended at me in this room. I'm gonna say something, I'm gonna do something, you're gonna get offended at me. Or I don't wanna confess that, but this is a likelihood of that happening. Or somebody is gonna get could possibly get offended at another person. So what is it that causes you to still be able to be committed and work through the possibility of being offended? Two things. Number one is you need a word from God. You're here because God told you to be here. And when you have a word from God, that is the divine enablement. It says here, in, 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 uh, that's the, when you receive a word from God, that's the Spirit of God working within you. How many of you have ever had God tell you to do something? Amen? How many felt the power and the strength of God to do it? You feel like even in, you really, when you have a word of God, you're never really running on fumes. Do you believe that? You know what I'm saying? Things may not be going well. Things may be looking tough. But you have a word from God and you're not running on fumes. You just run on the word of God. It's like an endless supply. It's like an endless supply of a gas tank. It just keeps going. I was filling up my tank this week for the second time. And I thought, how wonderful would it be if like, this car ran on, a, on gas that never ever ran out? Just fill it up one time when you get your car and just... That's what a word from God is like. You just keep going. You keep going. Right? Amen? 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 Number two, you need the grace of God. How am I doing this church? By the grace of God. How are we going to get $30,000 up front? By the grace of God. How are we going to get? Um, how, are, how are people going to come into this ministry and stay in the ministry? Someone's asking this week, how do you expect people to stay in church? I, if God calls the people to the ministry and we do what God tells us to do, they're going to stay. They're not going to leave. They're going to be pastors in the ministry. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Um, he says, but wherever I am now is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. My God, when you have the favor of God and the grace of God, it produces in your life results. Why do I not have the results? Because you have no grace. And any results that you have, guess what it is? The grace of God. Right? Right, 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 right. Okay. It says, for I've worked harder. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Come on in, Caleb. <laughs> for I've worked harder than any other of the apostles. Paul saying, none of the apostles did anything that I've done. But guess what? It wasn't through his hard work. Wow. I've never done something for God. I say, yeah, it's because I went and got my master's degree. And it's because 
I we're talking about commitment tonight. Oh, because I didn't. No, no, no. You know, he says this because he says because not I, but God who was working through me by His grace. You know, I try and not preach as much on grace as everyone else today because everybody's talking about what grace is and what grace isn't. And we have all this confusion. But it's a powerful message. It's God's empowerment. It's God's ability. It's because of His grace we give Him the glory. All right? And so he says in Galatians 1.15, Before I was born, God chose me by His marvelous grace. So guess what? If God's called you to the ministry, if God says, you know what? Go to Light of Today Ministries. There's grace to be here. And you'll find that you're not up against uh, kicking the system in the head. People that kick the system, they work against the system, they're not called to that ministry. Go find another one. It's not that you're a heretic. It's not that this ministry is in rebellion. You know what it is? You're just not called here. Because you want to do this, and we want to do this. You know what? Find a ministry where you can go with the grain, not against the grain. Amen. Mm. Doesn't mean that we condemn you. Doesn't Come visit us. Come to a conference. Come, you know, come over for the Easter production. But you can't serve here. You'd be more of a blessing on the street. Amen. Okay, no grace. So they devote themselves to two things. I'm gonna, four things. I'm going to run this real quick. Number one, the apostles' doctrine. Then number one, they were committed to the Word of God. All right? Number two, they committed to fellowship. Committed to each other. You know what that means? You know what is a sad thing in, in, in the body of Christ is when people are not committed to knowing other people. This will be more about when we talk about discipleship. They're committed to remembering the Lord and having fellowship around Jesus. And they're committed to prayer. This is a big one. The biggest commitment that we have to have in our lives is prayer. I don't just mean coming to the church uh, on early morning prayer days or coming before. What I mean is praying with your families. Praying with your wives. Praying yourself. Praying at home. When a pastor's not around, you're praying. It's people of prayer. You want a spouse, pray for your spouse. You want, uh, you're with your spouse, you want kids, pray for your kids. Having a culture of prayer so that... We're always committed to prayer. Because if you're praying at home, it's going to be easy for you to come to church and pray. Amen. If you're worshiping at home, it's going to be easy for you to come to church and worship. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. It's going to be powerful. And guess what? When you are committed to prayer, it will always be easy to find out what the right decision is you're supposed to make in your life. When you get out of prayer, you don't know what decision to make. You're like, man, what should I do about this? You're always short. You're saying the wrong thing. You're saying, someone sends you a nasty text message. You send a nasty text message back. You're not praying. Get back into prayer. Amen, amen, amen. amen. I promise you this. Promise is a guarantee. If we pray, and not just throwing up prayers, if we're people of prayer, everything else is going to work itself out, and the church will grow. Fast. You mean you're out for a mega church? No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. Who starts a church and doesn't want it to grow? Who starts a business and doesn't want it to grow? Where does the Bible ever say we should have small churches? Right. Where they met in people's house. That's because they didn't own property until the second century due to church history. Well, we're going to have house churches be like the original church. That's not what they did. They, after when, they start, when the churches could start owning property, they started putting up churches. They didn't, Paul didn't have a problem going to the synagogue and preaching to people. This isn't about house churches. It would be like house churches. Most house churches are a starting point of bad doctrine. Amen. <laughs> I won't go. If you're going to have house church, you should be committed to a ministry that has apostolic oversight. Amen, somebody. Amen. Okay, this is powerful. This is this is a good one right here. Commitment is more than desire and interest in something. Amen. You know what people would do? They just see. Oh, he's got a. Chris Palmer has a ministry. Hmm. Someone told me the other day that certain people came to my services a long time ago, and I remember seeing these people here. And I said, yeah, I saw them in the service. They said, they just want to see what you're doing. They just want to see what you're doing. They're only interested so they could criticize you. And I said, well, I kind of felt that when they came in anyway. Well, people will be interested in the ministry. They'll say, oh, Chris Palmer has a church. Let's go over there and see what he's doing. Chris Palmer, you know, his ministry team, let's go over there. But guess what? If people come in and they want to criticize, people come in and they want to tear it up, Oh, the worship team, they don't have it developed yet. All they have is a couple of players. Listen, let them do it. We are committed to what God says for us to do. The worship team is going to be there. Even if we have to play old uh, Carmen tracks, we're not doing that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> we're going to do something. Even if I, someone asked me the other day, I said, listen, if I have to get up, if there's no worship there, and I have to open up the Bible and teach, that's what I'm doing. Because you know what? When God wants worship, all the players are going to come in. Yes, we have people, I'm working on stuff. I told you I'm working on things, you know, strings and all sorts of stuff. It's just not all together yet. 
So I'll get up and I'll teach. If people like it, they'll come back. If, if, if God's called me to do it. Amen. That's how we're starting. Hard knows about this. All right. So um, when you see somebody come, God say, you know, I want to be involved. I want to be involved. I want to be involved. And they come and they lift one box. And then the next week they're not even there. What's that mean? It means that God didn't tell them to do it. They just had an interest in it. And now they're no longer enthused about doing it. Somebody that is committed. This is a good teaching tonight. You guys like this Amen. teaching. This is powerful teaching. Somebody that is committed is going to be doing what God told them to do even when they're no longer interested in it. That's, right. That's powerful right there. Do you know how many times I have not been interested in reading the Bible? You'd think for a nerd like myself, I'd be interested in it. I'm not interested in it. When I used to do pastoral care and do like 80 hours, sometimes 80, 60, 70, 50 hours a week, carrying a Bible into the hospitals, reading the Bible to people, doing like, I remember one time I did 121 visits, I think, in a week. And every time was another, you walk in and preach mini healing sermons to everybody in the hospital. First Peter 2.24, by a strike we're healed. I don't know how many times I went to that one. But you know what? The last thing I want to do is read the Bible. I lost interest in it. But you know what I would do? I would come back. Say, Holy Spirit, give me a fresh word for me. Bam, there it was. So when you hope in the Lord, when you rely on the Lord, He renews your strength. Amen, somebody. Renews it, renews it, renews it, renews it. Renews the interest. Renews the love for it. You don't love serving anymore. But you feel called to it. Go before God. He'll give you a fresh renewing your spirit. But even when I lose interest in something, Sarah, have you always been interested in cutting hair? Isn't that the last thing you want to do sometimes, right? The last you don't want to do anymore blowouts, right? Tired of taking that blow dryer. Just one of those people, get out of my chair. Brittany, do you always want to do makeup on people? No, you lose interest. But guess what? You're committed. To doing it. Amen? Amen. Yeah, I expect there's going to be times you don't want to come. Probably didn't want to come tonight. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Commitment means more than interest. It means blood, sweat, and tears. I want God to send me people that are going to bleed with me. I want God to send me people that are going to sweat with me. I want people, God to send me people that are going to cry with me. Amen? I'm a crier. I'll cry. I cry more than you all probably think I cry. I go before God sometimes. I'm like, God, but send me people that will cry with me. Send me people that will bleed with me because guess what? When you bleed with me, when you cry with me, when we cry with the Lord together, guess what? We glory with Him as well. Yes. There is no glory without suffering. That's a true fact in the Word of God. You give all for the success of the purpose. Commitment means to lay down your life for God and His people. We are not doing this so that we can have an establishment of something. We're doing this because we are called to lay our lives down for God and His people is always about the people. Do you believe it tonight? Amen. Making good time. All right. Giving up your life to ensure success. When you see people that are not successful. I asked somebody the other day. They were complaining about something. And I said, why is it? I shared this before. This is just a couple, maybe a month or so ago. Why is, you, why is it that they're complaining that they don't have certain success? And I said, why is it that you quit that? They said, it was a lot of work. I was at a Word of Faith one time. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Stupidest thing I ever said. We were sitting at the table with the bishop in the front. you know, And um, 20 ministers sitting there. And he said, who doesn't want to do this? Raise your hand. And it was something you would think the young people would want to do. And me and the senior assistant pastor were the only people that raised our hands. Everybody looked at me in shock. They says, what is it? And I had other reasons for it. But he says... Why don't you want to do it? And I said, because it's a lot of work. <laughs> and I got ripped up and down for that. I said, like, well, let me, and you, you can't take it back and say, well, let me say, that's your answer. It's a lot of work. Okay, so it makes you wonder, what does he think that life is? Well, it is a lot of work. This ministry is a lot of work. You know how someone, I don't want to go down that road. It's just going to be a lot of work. But guess what? We're committed because this work is laying our life down for people. Do you believe that tonight? All right, so it's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be times where you're just like, man, I could be doing, I could be bowling tonight. I could be on date night. I could be out on Facebook and playing, and playing games on, you know, whatever. But it's going to be a lot of work. Okay, um, giving up your life ensures success. Number two, if you st if you see someone weak in the area of their life, they're not giving in that area. When you see a life that is weak, look at two arms. You look at this arm. 
Uh, and you say, well, he could use some muscle right there. Why isn't it bigger? Because my arm is not exerting anything. I'm not giving exercise to it. I'm not giving it the nourishment it needs. So when you see something that's weak, it means you're not giving. You see someone that's weak in their finances, it's probably not givers. Amen. You see someone that's weak in their marriage, it's probably because they're not giving. The weakest people in life are takers. Someone say amen. amen. The most needy people are the ones that all they focus on is taking stuff. Mm-hmm. You can always tell a taker. They're the ones that take a penny out but never put one in. Amen. You ever do that before? You know what I just do sometimes? I take 10 or 15 pennies and just drop it in. That covers me everywhere I go. From this. You guys know what I'm talking about? Take a penny, give a penny? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Number two. Um, commitment is not easy. Jesus says in John 6:54, Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise that person up at the last day. When Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, who has ever eaten the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood? Nobody here. It's transubstantiation. It's a doctrine of the Catholic Church, and it's not true. Okay, but what Jesus was saying is this is covenant language, and he's saying that my followers, when you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, that means... Total commitment to following me. It means that you're more concerned about the flesh of Jesus than you are your own flesh. To be committed to something, you have to be more concerned about your flesh. Excuse me, someone else's flesh rather than your own flesh. To be committed to the ministry, I have to be more concerned about the cause of God. About what embodies Christ versus what I'm most concerned about. So you have to die to your flesh. So, go with me to John chapter 6. I want to show you real quick. We're going to be done here in 10 minutes. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Okay. I'll be done by 8.30. The whole meeting will be done by 8.30. Amen? Is that okay? Okay. 8.40 I commit to. <laughs> Not going to commit to that one, right? 8.40 will be done. I know you guys. You guys, I'm honored you came out. Okay, John chapter 6, John 6, John 6, and verse number, where did I say? John 6, 54, Jesus says this. Look at John chapter 6, 61. After Jesus calls for total commitment, look what it says. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he says unto them, Does this offend you? When commitment rubs against people's flesh, and they don't imply the grace of God in their life. Do you know what the response is? Complaining. And I cannot say that I've never complained in my life. I probably don't complain to people. I complain to people that are not involved. I'll complain to other people. Right? So when it rubs against your flesh, you complain. The interesting thing is that the word here for complain is the word that describes the cooing of doves. You know, when you hear a dove outside just chirping, it's like a mockingbird. The sound is coming out, but it means nothing, right? It's empty speech. You know, mockingbirds, they're called mockingbirds because they imitate all sorts of different sounds. A study was done on the mockingbird. It imitates bullfrogs. It imitates crickets. It imitates the shutting and closing of gates. It imitates car horns. This is what they found out about this bird. And the mockingbird is everywhere. It's usually when you hear sometimes, when you're outside and you hear a bird, or maybe multiple different sounds of a bird, you think it's a lot of different birds. It's probably just one bird making all those different sounds every time it passes by. And this is what complaining is. You're just, just empty speech, just, just saying whatever comes to mind. Amen. Okay? So um, when people complain, do you know what starts happening? They start finding the people that complain with each other. They start finding and conferring one with another. Yeah, you know, I don't like coming early in the morning. Yeah, I don't like coming early in the morning either. Then, do you like coming early in the morning? No, I don't like coming in the morning early. And now we have the whole coming, we hate coming in the early in the morning party. You have three people that just don't like coming early in the morning. And they just find each other. Yeah, I'm going to get out of bed early. I gotta go. They're just complaining. The Word of God says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Amen. If you're going to go complain, go to the wall and complain. Go find somebody and vent. You know, if you're going to vent, vent on your spouse. Vent on somebody. 
and then get over it. Amen. 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 I'm all for venting, man. Just don't be venting on text messages. You leave a paper trail. (laughs) 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 Okay. Watch this. This is powerful. Lack of commitment. When you don't want to commit to something, will take people back into their old mindsets, patterns, and habits they were involved in before they came. Why is it that I'm so intent about getting people to commit to Jesus and after getting them to commit to Jesus, getting them to commit to serving the ministry? Because if they're not committed to it, they'll go right back into the world. That's why you see people in the church and they're just, you don't know where they're at. Where did, they, where did this person go? And they find you two years later and they say, I, after that service I ended up going back into alcohol and drugs. Because guess what? You're more committed to pleasing yourself than you're committed to the kingdom of God. Amen, somebody. Amen. Want to be committed. When, um, okay, so let me make sure. Um, write this down real quick. Commitment requires responsibility. Galatians 6 5 says, We're responsible for our own conduct. Ephesians 4 12 says, The responsibility, talking about the fivefold ministry, and, and I would say it even goes as far as being the helps ministry. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Our responsibility in the body of Christ is to do the work. If God's called you to the ministry, I can promise you this. There's going to be things you might not know why I'm doing what I'm doing. You might not like what I do. You might not be happy with me. You can't expect to make everybody happy. There's going to be times people are not happy. There's times I wasn't happy with my pastor. But guess what? I knew that I was serving him as serving God. Colossians 3 says, work unto the Lord. Remember this. You didn't commit to me. You did, but you only committed to the ministry, not because you committed to me, because you committed to Jesus. At the end of the day, I'm the pastor, your pastor, but I'm also a brother in God. I'm a brother in Christ. I have no control over you. Now, this is what I'm saying all this to say, okay? The blessed life is a committed life. I said it before. Write the scripture down. I'll be done in two minutes. Jesus says in Mark 10, 29, 31. Emily, you just had this on Instagram, I think. Or is that someone else? That might have been dashing dish. Somebody had this on Instagram. It was one of you guys. Jesus says, Mark my words. No one who sacrifices house, brother, sisters, mother, father, children, land, whatever, because of me and the message will lose out. They'll get it all back, but multiplied many times in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land, but also in troubles, and then the bonus of eternal life. This is once again the great reversal. Wow, you like that? That's the message version. The great reversal. You got it? What version was that that you put on Instagram? Do you know? Uh, I think it probably ESV. ESV, okay. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The great reversal. The great reversal. That when you commit and empty yourself up, God fills you up. You know when people say, I'm empty? You know why they're empty? Because they don't empty themselves. And because they don't empty themselves, they're never full of God. Amen, somebody. Okay. So God calls you to the ministry. Write this down. You lose out. You lose out. You lose reward. You will lose your reward for commitment when you break the commitments that God tells you to commit to. Someone say amen. amen. Why? It says in uh, Revelation twenty two twelve. Look, I'm coming soon. Bring in my reward with me to repay all the people according to their deeds. So there's a reward for your works. Galatians 6, 9. Let's not get tired of doing what's good. Someone say, let's not get tired. Let's not get tired. Of doing what's good. You know, there's a lot of people doing bad out there. They're out there trying to cheat people, steal, lie, fornicate, in the bars, doing all sorts of stuff. But guess what we're doing? We're doing what's good when we preach the gospel. We're doing what's good, kid, when we play the guitar in services. We're doing what's good when we come to pray. This is good, and this is righteous living. We're doing what's good when Jordan goes out and tells people, Brett, you're doing what's good when you're administrating. Amen. Show you're doing what's good. Say you're doing what's good by coming to this. And the Bible says, don't get tired of doing what's good. Do you know why? Because the devil will try to attack the people that are doing good. Yep. Amen. You know what the devil can't do? He can't give rewards to anybody. It's powerful. He ain't rewarding nobody for nothing. He's stealing. At the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if uh, a blessing if we don't give up. Some say don't give up. Don't give up. What is he talking about? Give up. Don't give up on the commitment that God has put in your heart. Amen, someone. 
Don't give up on it. Now watch this. Um, breaking a commitment is quitting what God has asked you to commit to without His permission. Okay, this is what I want to say now. Watch this. If you make a commitment to God, how long should you keep it? As long as He tells you to keep it. I do believe that in the ministry, God will send people to us and God will tell people to leave. I'm not, that's not going to bother me. It's going to happen. People will leave the ministry. My heart has always been, if people come, come right and come respectfully. And if people leave, leave right and leave respectfully. And the first part of all doing that is going where God tells you to go. But this is a principle that I, I live by and I want to share it. When God releases you, it's not called quitting. Amen. But you know, some people say God released me. God didn't release you. But you know what? He didn't send you here either. <laughs> well, don't put it on God that you're quitting. You weren't here supposed to be here for the first place. You had other motives. And because you're not getting those motives, you're leaving now. So there's no fruit and there's no eternal reward for that. It's not my problem. It's not your problem. It's just you're not getting reward for it. But in the true, I'm not talking about fake placebo things. In the true spectrum of stuff, when God releases you, it is not called quitting. When you release you, it's called quitting. Amen. Listen to the guy, uh, guy on the radio. Derry was saying that his son wanted to play basketball and his son wanted to quit. And his, his dad says, I'm not letting you quit. That's good. A good father never lets his son quit That's right. when the going gets tough. That's right. My dad one time, he told me, if the neighbor tries to beat you up and you get in a fight, if you come back to this house and you don't defend yourself, you're going to want to deal with him rather than me. We don't quit. My dad taught me not to quit something. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, maturing, maturity is doing what God asks you to do and doing it consistently without grumbling, complaining as a good soldier of Jesus. No soldier quits. Amen, somebody? Amen. So someone say, we're not going to quit. Say, we're committed. committed. Say, don't quit. Don't quit. Commit. Commit. Okay, let's lift our hands to Jesus. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.